What's up, everybody? Welcome into episode 14 of the 10 West Podcast. It's Vince. We're back in the studio, OG style, Pete and Vince together again. Our guest this week was Riley Breckenridge. He's the drummer of Thrice, big Orange County band, but he's also a huge baseball fan. You might have heard his baseball podcast called The Productive Outs. It's a great podcast you should check out. Um, but with Riley, we talked about uh, his band Thrice. They just got back from Europe. Uh, we did a little bit on his uh, virtual band, Puig Destroyer. Great band if you're uh, a fan of hardcore and baseball. You definitely got to check it out. Uh, we talked a little bit about the Angels. Talked a little bit about even some Rams football. Um, he's just a big SoCal sports fan, but definitely more baseball-centric on this one and uh, some music, some Thrice stuff. So check it out. Here is Riley Breckenridge. I tell you, I'm like, when you say cut, you're going to have to pause. All right, welcome back to 10 West Podcast. We're going back OG style after having Jose Moda host for a little bit. We're back in the studio. We have a first, first world touring musician who played college baseball. It's a very specific box that I've wanted to check on our podcast for a long time, Riley. So I'm glad you're here. Riley Breckenridge, I'm saying it right, yes, right? Yes, It shouldn't be that hard of a name to say, but it's just nah. so many consonants. You get get that hard sound in there. I guess yeah. it's good for a drummer, though. It's, it's a pain in the butt to spell. If I have to fill out stuff, it just takes forever. <laughs> I remember filling out like college applications. Oh, it's just like, ugh. But to give, you the, to give Riley the full intro, uh, for those that know you, Riley, you're the drummer of Thrice, an Orange County band, so near and dear to a lot of, hopefully, people that are listening to this that are Angels fans. Uh, let's, let's just run down your whole list. You, you make me tired with the <laughs> amount of stuff that you do, but Puig Destroyer. Yes. The virtual band. Yeah. You have Less Art. Yes. Another side project. Mm -hmm. Uh, you've written for OC Weekly. Mm -hmm. You've written for ESPN.com. Mm -hmm. Uh, Alternative Press. Yep. And that's just, that's just to name a few. I feel like I, I have left a lot out, but yeah. that's, again, that's making me, and you're a new dad. Yes. <laughs> so you're making me tired. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm tired myself, but it's mostly because of the dad part, Yeah, not the other stuff. As a father, you will uh, – I tell this to everybody. How old is your uh, son? One. One? Okay. Yeah. You know. You're going to be tired for the next 10 years, minimum of your life. You're yeah. just never going to sleep. And once you accept that, I think it, you, you're at peace with it. Yeah. Like, ah, it's midnight. I got to get up at 6. Whatever. That's fine. I'll deal yeah. with it. It's worth it. It is. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely sure. worth it. And on top of it, you're recently back from Europe. Yeah. How was Europe – festivals for people that don't because we don't have the festival culture for people mm -hmm. that don't know clue them in a little bit on what you guys were doing while you were out there in europe and what it was like compared to playing shows here um it's pretty crazy i mean festival life over there is thriving there are more festivals than i think people know what to do with um, especially at this time of year um we did festivals in austria um Switzerland, um, Germany, and then uh, in the UK as well, uh, we did Reading and Leeds, which that those two festivals have like a really long legacy there. It's almost like Coachella on steroids. It's like wow. a three-day event with tons of bands and tons of stages, and um, attendance is always great. And um, I don't know. We've always had a good time playing it. This time we played a smaller stage that was in a tent, um, which was a little bit more intimate and cool. Um, but we've also done the main stage there, which is like a massive, massive stage and um, people for as far as you can see. And um, it's a little overwhelming. I kind of prefer the, the more intimate setting, but um, getting the, the opportunity to try to win people over who have never seen you before is, is one of the coolest things about festivals. Well, and fans in Europe, in my experience, they seem to love music that little bit harder than mm -hmm. we do out here. Is there is there a country where you can think of that, for whatever reason, you guys go out there and they just they get you guys to the point where it's almost Beatles-esque, like insane, you're kind of scared for your own safety? Um, I don't think we're on that level, really. Um, the UK is, has always been really, really supportive of us. Um, whether we go out there and do a club tour or just these festivals. Um, we had a show in London on this tour that was booked in a, I guess, kind of a conservative sized room for us. And it sold out like immediately. So we bumped it up to a bigger room that um, 
I didn't think we were going to sell out and that sold out too. Um, same story in Cologne. We did a headlining show and we had to upgrade the room and then it sold out in minutes, I guess. Um, so it's so cool. And, um, I don't know, there's, a, there's definitely a level of enthusiasm with fans over there that I don't know if it's because they're more free to express themselves or feel like they are, or they're not afraid of being judged for being into something. I mean, in the States, I feel like depending on the market that you're playing in, sometimes people will be like, oh, well, I don't, you know, I'm into this, but I don't want to seem like I'm too into it. Like apathy is cool to a certain extent, but um yeah, Europe is great. Uh, it's a little tough because of the uh, the jet lag. <laughs> we were there for eleven days, and I think I got my first like normal. Like, I think it was like midnight to seven a.m. sleep um, on the very last day. Hmm. So I came back completely upside down, and I'm just slowly starting to get back on my feet. So what's your like? Get, take us through like a day in the life of a, of a musician in a festival like that, like, you know, for us that don't know, I know both of you have experience mm-hmm. in that, but like when you get up, like the, you know, practice or the sound checks or any of that, like what's, what's like a, a bed to rise to fall day for you mm-hmm. when you guys are out there or something like that at festivals, unless you're the headliner, which we are never the headliner of festivals, but um, you don't get a sound check. Um, usually you'll show up at the, the venue site Um I don't know any, sometimes you'll show up in the middle of the night and you just wake up on the bus and you're at this giant open field with stages set up on it. Um, and it's, it's much like, you know, any tour where your first item of business in the morning is like, I need to find the cleanest toilet possible (laughs) and I need to find food and coffee. Um, so there's catering set up. So you try to find a bathroom, take care of business. Then you go, uh, get yourself fed um, and then it's a lot of a lot of sitting around. Um, you'll have press obligations that you have to take care of, um, but usually those are only like an hour or two hours, um, and it's all centralized in like a press tent. Um, if you're lucky enough to be on a festival the same day as some other bands you want to see, you have the opportunity to go check them out. Um, I got to see Block Party on this last run, which was really good. Um, what else did I see? I'm brain farting. Um, but yeah, try to check out a couple other bands and then keep yourself fed and well rested uh, before set time. And then for us, we kind of get together as a band about an hour before our set starts and I'll warm up and stretch and the other guys will warm up their voices or you know play around on an instrument. And then you go out and do the thing and uh, once it's over, you're kind of free to do whatever until bus call. So, you know, try to mix in a shower, yeah. <laughs> which is key um, and, and can be sparse at those festivals. Um, and the, the conditions are not always the best. You know, when you have a bunch of smelly band dudes showering in the, sh- in the same little portable shower closets, they can get pretty screwed up by the end of the day. So... <laughs> Um, and you, and they can run out of hot water too, which is pretty brutal, but, um, you make it work. It's fun. Do you prefer that style over more of like the four or five star, say you're in New York and you're at the, you know, the Waldorf where you get that? I mean, <laughs> I wish we, I wish we traveled on that level. <laughs> um, no, I mean, when we tour in the States, we try to be smart about how we're spending money. Um, I've done some drum tech work for Jimmy Eat World and then for Weezer as well. Nice. And they function on a much higher level than we do. So it's like everybody gets their own room on a day off and it's all really nice hotels. And um, with Thrice, we try to tighten up the purse strings a little bit. Um, obviously, we're not getting paid as much as Weezer gets paid sure. to play shows. So uh, you do your budgeting and like on a day off, we'll get a couple rooms and you know there will be like a crew room and a band room and guys just kind of go in and out as they please and you know, take care of business and then enjoy whatever lovely city we're in on a day off. It's usually well, like a Boise or something. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, Boise is nice. Spe- sure. Speaking yeah. of that, I mean, you're obviously a sports fan. Are you, are you mm-hmm. a travel fan? Do you enjoy, you know, when you do have some free time, seeing some landmarks or getting out to a sporting event if you guys happen to have that extra bit of free time? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, 
I didn't do a ton of tra traveling as a as a kid. Um, you know, we had family vacations that we'd go on, but those were usually like New York or maybe Hawaii or something. Um, so being in a touring band has given me the opportunity to see a lot of the world. And that's something that I'm super grateful for. Um, I love it. Um, I'm not a huge museum guy or landmark guy, but uh, I am a huge sports guy. So if there's a minor league game that I can go see, or if we're in a city that has a big league squad, um, I'll try to go out and see a game. Um, the last U.S. tour we did, I got to go to a Rockies game and uh, tried to go to a Red Sox game but couldn't get tickets. So, um, yeah, I'll, tr I'll try to take in as much as I can, um, but still staying focused on what I'm actually out there to do, which is play music. So um, I think you could you could find diversions to um, that might take you away from doing what you're supposed to be doing. So I try to stay pretty focused. And for those that, that know you well, they you are an Angels fan. But today mm -hmm. you've got the Orioles hat on, and they might also know that you're also a, a friend of Mark Trumbo. So I yes. want to talk a little bit about Mark Trumbo first because – I love the Angels, but Trumbo's leading the league in home runs, so let's get to the good stuff first. Yeah. <laughs> um, can you talk a little bit about your relationship with Mark? Obviously, you met him while he was with uh, the Angels, or did you know him even prior to that? No. When he was with the Angels, um, he was tweeting some stuff about music that he would listen to to get fired up before games, and I realized that a lot of the bands that he was tweeting about were contemporaries of ours, um, either like similar age or similar style. So on a whim, I just hit him up on Twitter and was like, hey, we just finished recording Major Minor. This was in like 2011, I think. Um, I'd love to get a copy of it to you. And he was uh, he responded, which was pretty shocking to me, but um, he said he'd love to hear it. Um, we started going back and forth. He invited me out to, to watch batting practice one day and uh, I burnt a bunch of CDs of, of bands that I liked and the new Thrice record and gave that to him and got to talk to him a little bit. Um, and we hit it off and turns out he's a huge music guy. Like he loves a lot of the same bands that I do. He plays guitar, he plays drums. Um, so yeah, we've, we, we'd go back and forth um, texting um, I'd pick his brain about baseball stuff cause I always wanted to be a, a baseball player growing up. And I think he wanted to be in a touring band <laughs> as well as being a baseball player. So it was like, he'd ask me questions about touring life and, um, I'd ask him about baseball life or like how it was faced, how it was to face this guy or that guy, or, you know, who's got the nastiest cutter or splitter or whatever. Um, and then a lot of it, like, uh, dealing with travel and be dealing with being away from family and stuff like that. Um, we shared a lot of the same kind of sentiments about, you know, how rough the grind can be when you're on the road and away from people and how to deal with failure. And, um, yeah, he's, he's a really good friend. Well, in speaking of your music, Jack, who was the one that recommended you to us, our producer, mm -hmm. he clued me in this morning, said that, uh, Mark is using one of your songs as his walk-up song. Do you know which song that is? Yeah, he's using uh, Black Honey, which is from our new record. Um, and then back in like 2013, I think he used uh, To Awaken, Avenge the Dead, which is from uh, Illusion of Safety, which is a record we put out in 2002. Um, but yeah, before season, like as after we became friends, like before the season, he'd be like, what, what do you think I should use for my walk up? So we'd like go back and forth and talk about, um, potential songs. And, um, I think he used a, a cloud kicker song for a little, little while that I, I recommended. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's a big music guy and we're always talking about, you know, new bands or gear or whatever else. Well, I love that because before me, when Jack told me that, I was joking. I go, well, that's awesome because if you go to a major league stadium, the walk-up songs that you'll hear are Drake, <laughs> yeah. country, uh -huh. or some kind of Latin music. That's exactly. it. Exactly. There's three styles of walk-up songs. Yeah. So it's nice that when you actually get someone that has uh, an actual uh, interest in yeah. what their walk-up song is, or it's not that. They all have interest in their walk-up song, but an interest in music that's not the same music we hear every single day before. Right. 
a guy gets up. I mean, how many times can I hear, you know, Drake? They might as well just play the song while the guys continue to just walk yeah, up, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, Baseball is definitely dominated by country, hip-hop, and then you know, reggaeton or something like that. Um, so it's it's definitely cool to have somebody in that mix that, you know, understands some more underground bands or obscure bands, um, stuff that's not run-of-the-mill. And as we said, Mark is leading the league in home runs, which is awesome for him. Yeah. Contract year, if we want to get technical with pretty, that. Pretty good timing, right? Yeah. Awesome timing <laughs> yeah. for him. I mean, he seems to have found uh, a spot, though, kind of, you know, after being bounced around. It was always weird. Trumbo seemed to be in, like, every single trade yeah. leading up to this year where he's kind of bounced around it. It's all Jerry DePoto's fault. <laughs> right? It's, yeah. Jerry's now traded him, traded for him or traded him two times or three times? Traded him twice. Yeah. It was like as soon as Depoto signed uh, signed on with the Mariners, I was like, "Oh man, he's probably going to get traded." <laughs> and it happened like not not much longer after that. But to to his benefit, at least, absolutely, yeah. He's done well. yeah. Um, from what he's told me, um, the clubhouse culture in Baltimore is great. Um, Buck Showalter is a great manager to play for. He gets along with his teammates, um, and then that lineup is so stacked with guys who can do serious damage that I feel like this is me projecting. He has not said this to me, but um, like there's less pressure. He's not the guy that has to hit the home run or has to drive in runs um, for that team to be successful. So um, I think being surrounded by some, some really good hitters has been helpful. Um, being in the lineup every day, I think is helpful. Um, Cause in Arizona, he was bouncing around. They had some weird, uh, outfield platoon um in seattle kind of the same same deal and uh i mean kudos to him he's been playing out of position for the last four seasons three three seasons um and that's a lot that's a lot to ask of a guy um but he's a hard worker and um definitely somebody who's not afraid of a challenge so it's not surprising that he's succeeding yeah, I mean, I, I'm not. We're not going to do Orioles radio, but I do have to agree with you in terms of their lineup. They're almost uh, Blue Jays esque, which is kind of mm-hmm. it's a blessing and a curse that they play each other a lot because those are good games, the Jays Orioles games. Oh, yeah. But it, it's kind of sad that one of them has to be the division winner. You'd kind of wish you could see them later, and the chances are that you would see them in in you know the series leading to the World Series are now slimmer because of the way it's structured. But they're definitely. They've got some sluggers, Super to say to the watch. least. Yeah, I've been watching a ton of Orioles games this year, and it's just—I mean, they've—I think they've got five or six guys who have twenty-plus bombs. Um, Machado's got like thirty-three or thirty-four. Chris Davis has got thirty-three or thirty-four. Uh, Jonathan Scope mashes. Weeders can hit, um, and then Trumbo's just out of his mind this year. So, so did he send you the hat, or did you buy it when he got traded? I, I bought it. Nice. Yeah. I have a, I own, I owned, I got rid of the Diamondbacks hat. That was a reluctant purchase because I don't really like their gear at all. But I was like, I'm going to support. Um, then I got a, I got a throwback Mariners hat, the one with the trident. Sure. Um, I still have that one. Um, and then I have two Orioles hats, this one, and then a, a throwback as well. So talking about, you know, this original point about the Angels, talk, tell us a little bit about how, you know, your history, like as a fan, have you, has it been, um, you know, how long have you been a fan? You know, what do you have great, obviously I, we see here in our notes here, you got a great memory when in 05 you heard your music come over the, the PA. That must have been mm-hmm. a cool experience. So just tell Very us a little cool. bit about your 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 love uh, maybe slash hate relationship <laughs> with the Angels uh, that you've had. Um, some of my earliest memories are, sitting in the living room with my dad um watching angels games this is like i guess i'm old but um late 70s i guess so like uh the rick burleson uh ron fairley rod carew i don't know i'm probably mixing up my my eras but like way back way back and um we i grew up in orange county uh, the stadium was never further than 15, 20 minutes from my house. So um, my dad would make it a point to take me out to games. Um, I think my dad became a season ticket holder in the late 90s, maybe. 
Um, so we would go to games all the time. Um, it was massive, like bonding experience with my dad um, was going to Angels games, watching games on TV, listening to games on the radio. When I went away to college, um, you know, we'd get on the phone and talk about the Angels first um, and school <laughs> second. Um, so they've been a huge part of my life. I mean, I'm born and raised an Angels fan, and um, now I live like five or ten minutes away from the stadium. So um, before I had a kid, I'd go over there and watch games as often as I poss possibly could. Um, but they've been fun to watch. 2002 was amazing. Um, I was on tour when they won it all. We were in uh, Salt Lake City, I think. And we finished our set, and I sprinted to a sports bar, <laughs> caught, caught the end of the game, and uh, awesome. was was by myself sure. in Salt Lake City, freaking out. Um, I called my dad right away. It was super cool. Um, yeah, huge Angels fan, and, and I'm having trouble this year <laughs> watching them. Uh, part of it's because I have a kid, a young kid, but... Part of it's because they're kind of tough to watch, but it definitely seems like just one of those years. Maybe it's like a bad movie. Um, oh yeah, you know they started off, you know, kind of got a little bit of a win streak. What was that post All Star game where they win like ten or eleven, something like that, and then mm -hmm. just kaboom. Just, I mean, what what do you think? Obviously, this one, I guess you got to write off this year. I mean, it's almost over, anyways. I right? Mean, where do they go from here? What what can they do? Obviously, you've got star power. That's great. Right. Trout's getting them in the seats. Pujols is getting them in the seats. Mm -hmm. But that's clearly not enough. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I've been thinking about it a lot. Um, and I'm sure the front office is thinking about it a lot, too. But they seem like they've got to be at least – I mean, next year is a, probably a wash, too. you got to kind of punt on 2017. Who's pitching next they year? They have no pitching. they got a bunch of guys who are getting Tommy John surgery. Um, and their farm system is widely regarded as the worst in baseball. And, you know, so depending on who you read or talk to, um, some people say it's the worst they've ever seen, mm -hmm. which is terrifying because. Well, let me, before you get to, yeah. let me ask you this on, on farm systems. Cause I always get kind of frustrated with farm systems mm -hmm. and having played at a high level yourself, you can maybe illuminate some of this for me, but. Mm -hmm. Especially being an Angels fan and having seen someone like uh, Brandon Wood, oh my uh, gosh, yeah. Dallas McPherson, mm -hmm. guys that were should have probably been traded. I mean, in hindsight, now mm -hmm. it was always tough to say because we want we all we all wanted that hometown kid to come up. Every, I think every team wants it. Maybe yeah. even the Yankees want it, even though they're not really known for it. Mm -hmm. um, but with those scouting reports, I feel like it's such hit or miss. I mean, you take someone like Cole Calhoun's not was never included in any of those scouting reports right. as a gold glove winning right fielder. So to say, yes, the uh, farm system is barren, what is that? I mean, to you, does that really – Do you, how much do you put into that? Or are you a, a believer in that? Um, I can definitely get caught up in, in prospect porn to a certain, uh, certain degree. And it's super fun to dream on players. Um, I think just that they don't really have much that ranks in like the top 100 of – of baseball prospects. Um, I feel like the way that scouting is advancing and the way that people are using you know, st statistical data to evaluate players. Um, when a guy is like a top tier prospect, pretty often they end up panning out, whether it's like a Manny Machado or Carlos Correa or Bryce Harper or Mike Trout. Um, these guys that are pegged to do great things usually end up doing great things unless they get hurt. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think they have anybody in the top hundred. They might, might have one, one guy, but um, I don't know. And you never, you never know what's going to happen, but if you have guys who are in the top hundred or, or guys who are widely regarded as, as having a ton of potential, you can trade from that, place of power but they don't have that as an option and they don't have a lot of movable pieces on the big league roster so it's like how do you fix something that's broken if you don't have the pieces to fix it right yeah i mean i have to agree with that i think prospect wise i feel like prospects are really there to 
be traded for the most part unless mm-hmm. you have that gap at that right moment because you can we can kind of circle back to Trumbo if you take a guy and during his development say okay now why don't you think about playing third base or how about we yeah. put you out here you're going to stunt their development no matter how well they're hitting mm-hmm. and and going back farther back to like the Brandon Woods and the Dallas McPhersons those were guys that I can't I can't think off the top of my head like the names that Brandon Wood was included in trades for mm-hmm. but they were huge big stars and we're like no we're gonna hold on them and all of us were kind of like yeah I'm in with you because he looked he's a big strong dude played third base had had a gun for an arm yeah and then you're like okay we should we yeah. should have traded yeah him. insane offensive numbers yeah um I think a lot of that too um some of the big Brandon Wood seasons were like Cal League and then um, Pacific Coast League, which from what I've heard are both notorious hitters leagues. Um, so maybe there was a little bit of inflation there with his numbers, but um, that was a bummer that that didn't work out. And third base has been kind of a black hole ever since. Um, third base, now now left field. Now left field, yeah. I don't know what's going on in left field. And then filling out a starting rotation. Let's let's talk a little bit about yeah. that. So two guys for sure, Tommy have had Tommy John surgery. One guy is Garrett Richards is not going to, but I eventually will. Yeah, I'm skeptical. <laughs> yeah. I'm skeptical. He's still yeah. not technically out of the woods. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm trying to think when his like point is where he has to do it to not then miss a further season. Yeah. That's like putting duct tape on like a leaky hose or something. Yeah. Like it fixes it for the time being, but. The more the more goes through that hose, the more that tape is going to get weakened, and um, it's pretty crazy that the stem cell thing is like seems like it's working, mm-hmm. but it's just it seems like kind of uh, yeah, duct tape on a hose. Well, you've been around you know college arms, and I don't know if when when you were coming up, the Tommy John was at. I mean, it was definitely there, but was it as mm-hmm. prevalent? Because it seemed. I mean, now there's kids in high school that just have it. Yeah, it's insane. Which isn't crazy. I also feel like um, year-round baseball was not as big of a deal um, when I was playing. So I was in college, started in 94. Um, and when I was in high school, I mean, there wasn't a ton of opportunity to play year-round. I mean, there were showcases and area code games and stuff like that. But um, now kids are playing travel ball from, I don't know, age six or seven. Um so they're doing that, then they're doing their high school season. Um, and then there are so many showcases now for, for young pitchers and, and hitters um, that at those showcases, I feel like everybody feels like they have to go max effort because you're trying to get, you know, a scholarship or you're trying to get drafted or something. Um, and it's just tearing these kids' arms up. Um, I actually have a book on my shelf that I intend to read, but I haven't yet. It's Jeff Passan's uh, The Arm. Yeah. Um, I've heard good things about it. But um, yeah, Tommy John was definitely not as prevalent as it as it is now um, when I was in college. Um, it just seems like everybody <laughs> everybody who throws hard ends up having to have Tommy John. And mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to pinpoint for the Angels too because you had Skaggs, but different mm-hmm. pitching coach. Yeah. And then you change pitching coaches, change to Charlie Nagy, who's not known as a fireballer. So I can't imagine he's mm-hmm. tweaking. I, I would imagine he's actually tweaking them more to have a, a more efficient delivery because mm-hmm. of the way he pitched. But it's how do you how do you even pinpoint what could be going wrong? It's just three guys in in the space yeah. of a you know two years is it's is insane. out of control. Yeah. And then you have obviously we just had what we dealt with with Matt Shoemaker. Yeah. It seems Poor like Shoemaker. it's maybe it is an actual curse. Yeah, and not something we That's should be trying to That's the only thing I can chalk it up to. Yeah, and the blood clot or whatever for uh, Bedrosian. Um, with Street already out for the rest of the year. Yeah, and they traded Hector, who was actually doing sort of okay. Uh, He's just always been not. healthy. Right. I mean, yeah. We have to give him that. So mm-hmm. When you have Streaky, pitchers falling. But, yeah. You know, it's. I mean, so let's say you're the GM for the day. Oh gosh. And, and, and <laughs> obviously, like it even pains me to, to word it like this, but like, do you trade a guy like Mike Trout? No matter, you know, say you could get ten guys for him. I mean, mm. you know, do you sacrifice the star power, the ticket, the, the ticket, the, the seat drawing power 
of a guy like that when you really are looking at your roster next year going, we are in serious trouble, like, or maybe for the next two, three years, uh, yeah. depending on how long these pitchers take to come back. Because you're not going to trade a guy. Oh, yeah, we'll trade him. He just had Tommy John. Like, great, we'll take a guy. Sure. Yeah. I don't even know if you can. No, yeah, I don't think you don't can. Think you can. Yeah. Do you do that? Uh, we know Mike's it, listening. So. Yeah. If baseball wasn't a business, I think I would. Because that's really the only thing you can do. I mean, what what else do you have that is tradable that's going to bring you anything that's going to be of value? I mean, I guess outside of Trout, your most appealing trade piece is Cole Calhoun. But what's he going to get? Not couple. not a ton. I mean, they need help like right now. They yeah. don't need like, oh yeah, we'll take a couple prospects. No, we need yeah. guys that can literally come in, put on the new uniform, and pitch for yeah. us in the rotation. But then year. you take Trout off the roster, and the 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 team gets dramatically worse. Right. So it's like, do you take, you know, one step forward and three steps back, or how do you? I do not envy Billy Epler's job. No, <laughs> no not at all. And I, I mean, and I, it's not it's not his mess either, right? You know, he's like picking up the pieces. So, when I, I think uh, he's had a, a an even keeled look at it, which has mm-hmm. been nice when when we've kind of reach bought some players that we've brought in. Uh, my, I mean, I'm the eternal optimist. I've I'm like you. I grew up mm-hmm. and I love the Angels. To me, I think they can still, uh, barring injuries, imagine if everyone was healthy. I feel like they still could have been a good team, but unlike other teams, their margin for error is so much smaller. Mm-hmm. You know, other teams, they can, oh, we, we kind of botched this one or whatever. But what I, I, I miss in the Angels is a, uh, an identity. Remember those two, 2002 teams? Mm-hmm. Um, and we actually had, uh, you know, Garrett Anderson had his Hall of Fame ceremony, brought it up, you know, the contact play, going first to third. All the right. things he brought up, where has it been? You know, and we don't field very well anymore either, right. which kind of bothers me. I, th- I feel like all great teams have some kind of identity. Either, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we're the Orioles. We've got three guys that are going to hit 40 home runs. Yeah. Cool. You got that? More power to you. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, we're a team like, um, you know, the Astros, we're going to pitch well, but we're going to field well and we're going to run the bases. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I don't know if you see it the same way I do. I don't see, I can't pinpoint something Angels. It just, other than saying Mike Trout, that's the only exactly. thing I guess we can pinpoint. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they, they're totally used to be like good defense, like kind of pressing the issue on the base paths, um, scrappy, good at bats. I hate using the term scrappy, but they were, they were scrappy. Just say David Eckstein. David Eckstein. Yeah. Um, you know, getting deep in counts. Um, but I think they made some, some roster moves that took them, out of that, I mean, the, their team speed, aside from Mike Trout, is not really existent. Um, so that takes away, you know, the base stealing. It takes away the first to third. takes away uh, the effectiveness of hit and runs. Um, yeah, I don't – and the, the, the Pujols signing was – it seemed like it was a an odd – move for for the angels they never seem to be the the team that would shell out tons and tons of money for a guy who was gonna decline in their their uniform the hamilton signing was super weird too and terrible yeah <laughs> i mean they're still paying him right to yes not play for them and not play for the rangers <laughs> yeah he's been released and he can sign again for the rangers but whatever contract he signed is literally kind of the piece of paper because you can't double dip so he's not yeah. going to get like here's my 25 million plus the rangers are going to pay me no he's still just going to collect that paycheck yeah that was a, a high high risk move and uh man did that bite them in the butt Live and learn, I guess. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about well, let's talk about baseball, but let's talk about something a little more uh, uplifting. Well, it depends on how you feel about it. But uh, I want to talk about Puig Puig Destroyer. Okay. Um. So yeah, if you're a, if you're a Puig fan, I mean, it hasn't been a great year for Puig. No. Um. But I, I'd like to think it's been a great year for Puig Destroyer. I I love this idea, the the virtual band. Where, yeah. Where one, where do you come up with that? Mm-hmm. And two, why Puig? Um. So I have a a baseball related uh twitter feed and uh podcast uh called productive outs 
and we were doing an episode of the podcast right around the time that uh, Puig got called up the first time, and he was just like lighting the world on fire. I think he was yeah. hitting like 400 or yeah. something, hitting bombs, stealing bases, throwing guys out, making incredible plays in the field. And he was all anybody was talking about because, um, you know, people thought that he was going to be a decent player, but not a freak and not that he they didn't think he was going to be like just this out of control force of nature. Um, so we were talking about Puig and uh, there happens to be a grindcore band called Pig Destroyer. Um, that Ian Miller, who is the co-host of the podcast, um, and I are both we're both fans of that band, and uh, just kind of joking off the cuff towards the end of one of the podcasts, I was like, "Oh man, somebody should start like a joke grindcore band called Puig Destroyer, because Pig Destroyer is like this out of control metal band, and Puig is an out of control baseball player, so it'd be funny to blend the two, and." Um, so I got off a Skype call with Ian, and I think he texted me right after. He's like, yo, we should start that band. And I was like, um, no, it's stupid. It's a stupid idea. <laughs> and then uh, he just started sending me bass ideas um, for songs, which inspired me, and I started programming drum stuff for it. And uh, the whole concept was like, first idea, best idea, make it as fast and absurd and stupid <laughs> as possible. Um and then we enlisted uh, John Howell, who's in a band called Kowloon Walled City, with Ian um, to play guitar. And then my friend Mike Minnick, who was in a band called Curl Up and Die, um, is a huge San Francisco Giants fan and just loves baseball. And he's got an awesome scream. So we're like, these are the pieces. <laughs> we're all spread out all over the country. Two guys are in the Bay Area. I'm in Southern California. Mike's in Chicago. How can we make this work? So we just started sending files back and forth and built songs out virtually and um, had a friend mix it and put it out on Bandcamp and um, had a six song EP, I think within like 10 days of making that joke on the podcast. And then like two weeks after we put it out ourselves, um, somebody played one of the songs for Puig when he was at the MLB fan cave. Um, and there was like video footage of him listening to it, which was insane. Um, and then because we had kind of developed a, a bit of rapport in the baseball Twitterverse, um, the Puig Destroyer stuff started catching on with a lot of baseball writers and uh, baseball websites. And, you know, we didn't have a publicist or anything, but we were getting you know, posts written about us on a bunch of different websites um, from Yahoo to Deadspin to ESPN to Fox. Um, and uh, it was crazy. I mean, Thrice has hired publicists for several releases and not gotten as much, <laughs> <laughs> as much love as, as, a market, as the dumbest project I've ever been a part of did. Um, Maybe that's why I took off is, is it, you guys just said, let's just fly by the seat of our pants a little bit and have fun with it. You know, obviously thrice you're, you want it to sound perfect. You, right. you're going to like listen to it over. Yeah. Cut it up, whatever. This is, maybe this that's is, why. Yeah. This is the complete opposite of thrice. Like we're so meticulous about everything right. and, and overthink stuff to a certain degree. And the Puig Destroyer stuff was just, let's make this be as fun, carefree, easy, and stupid as possible and just see what happens. So. It's cool that people liked it. Is there a favorite? I love that they're all baseball-centric songs and have mm -hmm. baseball-centric titles. Like, there's a Mike Trout, there's Trumbaum, there's Tommy John. My favorite, though, is uh, Nobody Cares About Your Fantasy Team. <laughs> yes. Uh, is, there, is there a favorite song title or song that you have off of the... Because uh, you guys have up to... There's like 25 songs now, right? From the six-song EP to almost... Yeah, yeah, I think so. We did uh, two EPs and then a full length. And I don't think we have a single song that's over like a minute and 45 seconds. <laughs> so they're just short, furious blasts of baseball-centric energy. Yeah, if, um, if you have not heard Quick Destroyer and you need one to get pumped up and you have a, a short afternoon, you can go through the songs and it, it's... I, I couldn't... I mean, not in a bad way. I couldn't stop laughing because of the lyrics and then the song titles. I just... Yeah. Every single one. And like like you said, they're they're like a minute, minute yeah. 15. 
you're done. Yeah. But you're fired up after. Yeah. Uh, you definitely have to listen to it very loud. That's a that's a hundred percent Mike, um, our singer. Um, he just he has a knack for funny song titles. His old band was kind of a funny song title band, um, and he writes all the lyrics. And you know, we'd throw ideas around for for you know lyrical content, but all the actual lyrics come from him. Um, Nobody Cares About Your Fantasy Team is definitely a favorite of mine. Um, there's another one that gets a lot of love that I can't say part of the name, but it's Stop Effing Bunting, um, <laughs> which is kind of an anti-giving away outs song because um, we all hate bunting. Um, mine would be Stop Throwing to First. Just pitch the ball, yeah. please. <laughs> You're not going to get them. Yeah. Maybe one out of 100. Although yeah. the Angels are actually relatively – I think they're the tops in the league at picking guys off, yeah. which is – um, if you got to hang your hat on something yeah. this season, yeah. <laughs> well, they give it. They give it a trophy for that. They should. Yeah, yeah. some can win a division just because of that. Pick-offs. I could imagine handing that to one of the players and just having them drop it, not not what even touching it, it with their hands. I don't. <laughs> I don't want to touch it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, getting back to uh, productive outs, I know that you know. Obviously, before you went to Europe, you guys had a first leg of your American tour, so you guys mm-hmm. have had sparse amounts of time to yeah. to do that. Um, I, I do have to say, though, and I have to ask you this question. I love the website with the cool old baseball cards. Oh, cool. Um, and the the first thing I thought of was this cooler thing to have, cooler accessory on your old baseball card, mm-hmm. the porn stash or the <laughs> uh, the aviator glasses. Because I guess no one had contacts back in the day. So everyone wore aviator, not aviator sunglasses, mind you, if people don't know. I'm talking yeah. aviator glasses. Yeah. So, no one would be caught dead on their baseball card now. I mean, they don't do the, the whole stand you know, graduation photo baseball yeah. card as much anymore, but it just seems those are two accessories that if you, you could have both, there's plenty of guys that have both, but it always seems somebody had one or the other. Yeah. Uh, what would be your choice? Um, I think it would be the glasses. The glasses take it like to a whole new goofy level. Um, and they're so period specific, like seventies era, 80, maybe kind of leaked into the, early eighties, I guess. But, um, those glasses are awesome. Um, one of my favorites is the, uh, old school dudes who would wear like a windbreaker underneath their Jersey. Um, <laughs> that never looked good. No, that's not a good look. <laughs> um, the dad hats, like I can't really, um, if I show it to you, that's yeah, it's terrible hard to explain, podcasting. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but dad hat is basically like, um, where your dad doesn't care enough to pull his hat down on his head. So it's basically just placed on the very top of, of the head. <laughs> there are a few perpetrators of dad hat in the game now. Um, still, you'll catch it um, on occasion. But it was really popular back in the day. Like you look at those old baseball cards and it's like they just gave the guy a hat and he dropped it on his head. He didn't yep. pull it down at all. <laughs> Well, and in that same vein, this, uh, what about the uh, surprised guy? Like, they're doing the photo shoot, <laughs> yeah. and yet somehow there's there's guys that are looking the wrong direction. Yeah. Uh, there's guys that are just like, they're not there at all. Like, they're half in the frame, but they're like, that's the only photo that's we got. Fine. Let's roll yeah. with that. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they were just uh, old baseball card shoots were all candids, and it wasn't, wasn't posed or anything. Um, yeah, there are some serious gems out there from that era. Do you have a favorite? Um, I'd have to go through some of the archives, but like we have on the podcast, we have the old school player of the week where I'll just dig through some like 1973 Oakland athletics roster. And I'll just start looking at guys and I find somebody that looks ridiculous. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I usually try to pick the worst guy, like with the worst stats and the worst look and the worst baseball cards and the worst hair, and the worst mustache, um, the worst pants, the worst stirrups. Um, that's been, been a fun little, little project. Um, and it, it's also incredibly time consuming. I'm sure. <laughs> Which I'm sure you do some deep dives where you're like, oh, you, I was gone for three hours. Yeah, there. yeah. You can fall into like a old school baseball rabbit hole, and yeah, three four hours later, you're staring at Google images, mm-hmm. and you haven't found anything. 
Well, not not to put you on the spot, but are we gonna are the product when you guys have time? Are we gonna get more podcasts? Because the podcasts are great too. I mean, if people don't know, you guys also like to spotlight a band in the podcast, which is yeah. I mean, it's a cool little feature that I think is a, as someone that played in bands and loves music, I like that you guys do that, and mm-hmm. it it works with the whole podcast. So hopefully you'll have time in the future yeah it's just been rough i mean we left uh thrice left for tour at the beginning of or actually at the end of may um and we were gone for about a month and then uh got home and schedules weren't aligning for for me and ian and then i went to europe he went to europe with his band and then he just got back from europe like two days ago and i'm leaving for another u.s tour in a couple days so um, I'll be back like right around the time that the playoffs start. Um, so we'll probably do some postseason specials. We'll have more to talk about then. Like the dog days of summer are kind of difficult for oh, you talking don't have to tell, about you baseball. don't have to tell us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, the Cubs are up by 17 games. Right. How exciting. Want some hot stove stuff. Hopefully we'll get that around yeah. Christmas time yeah. and, and things like that. <laughs> well, uh, when I prepped for the podcast, I did a deep dive on everything, and I happened to notice you posted a uh, a Rams uh, photo to your Instagram. So I think before we get to five good oh, questions, yeah. let's because the Rams are going to start this week. Mm-hmm. Um, my boy Pete uh, and I have been going back and forth, and now I'm more on Pete's side, and I kind of have to be because Jared Goff will not be suiting up for the first game. Yeah, pretty good. What's uh, right? I I I, <laughs> I try to give him the benefit of the doubt, but Pete has a better eye for this, well, and he kind of saw it. Maybe I yeah. Let, let me let me let Pete let give it so I don't, I don't throw it under the okay. bus. So we were fortunate enough to we started a good relationship with the Rams early, so they invited us to their draft uh, press conference and then mm-hmm. or the draft party the day of the draft over at LA Live, which was amazing. I mean, mm-hmm. fans everywhere lined up for six seven hours just to get into LA Live to stand around and watch a TV. You know, wow. Um, the next day introduction press conference we get there you know they took golf everyone's happy and everyone's like because we're talking with the other media and they're all like yeah he threw five interceptions against usc in the coliseum i think that year or something he had a horrible game against <laughs> usc well then we're so we're looking at him i'm just looking at him at the press conference and i'm just again i'm not a scout i am not an ex-quarter i'm just it didn't he didn't look right he just looked right. small mm-hmm. he just didn't you know Again, you get a guy like a Cam Newton. I mean, maybe he's a once-in-a-generation player. A guy that comes right. in, has confidence, and you look at him, you go, That's he's going to light it player. up. Yeah. <laughs> Again, man, and I'm looking, and I, was, I told you there, I'm like, I could, could, be, could be completely wrong, but he looks, he doesn't look the part. And I went right. out to camp, and he looked okay, and I'm catching up on hard knocks, and now he's not even on the opening day roster. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of those guys said, well, Peyton May, or I can't remember who they said, this guy didn't take a snap his whole career. Aaron Rodgers at the bench for four years. Still, they made the splash. They moved up. They make the pick. He's not on the roster. Yeah. So there's my background piece. And that's brutal. Yeah. Right. I watched uh, somebody compiled like uh, Jared Goff's performances in the preseason thing, and I was like, look at how bad he looks. And he looked pretty bad. I'm not like a huge football guy, but um, super skittish in the pocket and um, overthrowing dudes and. I mean, there's got to be a certain amount of nerves and pressure, a lot of pressure, actually. But, um, yeah, it's not really what you would want from a number one pick. Um, but I'm excited to have the Rams back. Yeah, I was going to ask, do you think that they either way the Rams kind of get a pass this year? I mean, is, were, did you ever get to see any of the games being local um, yeah. when they played Angel Stadium? Yeah. Yeah, we used to go to Rams games um, at the Big A back when they – turned it into a football stadium which is a terrible era for that stadium i saw an international soccer game there once whoa which was weird really weird we were in like right field but we were probably 25 yards because of the way they had to situate the field so we're out there in right field and they're the it's like what are we watching yeah you know um (laughs) yeah that was a bad era for the stadium for sure closing that thing up was just felt really dismal and dark yeah um tarps everywhere mm mm-hmm Lots of tarps. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I used to used to go to Rams games. Followed the Rams pretty closely when they were here. Um, was really bummed when they left, and it actually squashed my football fandom for quite a while. And then um, fantasy football got me back into caring about football at all. But even then, it was like I didn't follow the Rams to St. Louis and root for the Rams. Um, 
I just like the guys on my fantasy team. And then now I have a team to root for. Like mm-hmm. it's nice to be able to watch football on Sunday and feel like you're rooting for somebody instead of just guys on on teams. But um, I don't think they're going to be very good this year. Right. Um, but they'll have a full stadium. At least for the first I would think. Two. Yeah. 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 And then whenever that new stadium gets built, I'm sure they'll fill that up uh, for a little while. But if the product's not good, people, mm-hmm. there's so much stuff to do in Southern California. It's the same with any any sports team that's not the Lakers. Right. Like, if you're bad, people will find something else. Right. So, well, um, like there's shows to go see, like Thrice shows. Yeah. To segue to, back into yeah, music a little bit. There's Thrice there's, show. There's Thrice shows. We'll definitely have to get you to plug. We'll, we're we're going to have you plug everything okay. uh, to end it out. But uh, for people that are interested, that are local in the area, there's a show. Uh, you sold out one show already at, at the observatory, so you had to add a second. Yes. Um, and that's the 9th? Yes, October 9th. October 9th. Observatory. And if you're up here in LA, you can, and if you're near our office, you can hop over to the Novo Theater mm-hmm. at LA Live, and you guys will be there the 8th. So Yes, those... very few tickets available for that. Like, it's very close to selling out. So if, right. if yeah, someone's I mean, if... listening who wants to go, don't wait on tickets because it'll sell out. Yeah. Just yeah. pause the podcast, <laughs> buy your tickets, come back yeah. to finish out. And we'll, so we'll segue into five good questions. So pause the podcast okay. and we'll come back to five good questions. So uh, we like to end out with five good questions. Some of them are easy answers. Some you might have to think a little bit more about. Mm-hmm. Uh, first question I have for you, what is the go-to ballpark food for you? Ooh. Hmm. I usually just do just a boring old hot dog. I don't really eat hot dogs outside of the ballpark. I'm the same way. So I'm just like, uh, I'm, I'm at a baseball game. I have, to eat, about, I have to eat a hot dog. It is something about that. Yeah. I'm the same way. I am with you guys on hot dog for ballpark food, but I'm not ashamed to say that I eat hot dogs like once a week. I, and <laughs> yeah. I, lo- I love to cook and I love to cook real food, uh-huh. but there's something about, I just love hot dogs. Well, hot dog, you know, hot dogs you're at Costco good. and you're like, that's a dollar for a hot dog and a soda. It's hard yeah. to pass that up. But yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you on that. Um, so in doing my research, I know that you've answered this question before, uh, walk-up song. Um, I wonder if it's changed because I think the this was back in the, like 2011 you answered mm-hmm. this. But I want a walk-up song, Batter, and then I want your like Wild Thing, Ricky Vaughn, Closer walk-up song, or Walk Ooh. to the Mound song if you got a different one. Um, I still think my, well, I think maybe my answer in 2011 was a Meshuggah song. Yep. Was it? Bleed? Mm-hmm. I think that would still be my my walk up song if I were a batter. For closer, um, man, I don't know song titles, but there's a part of a Cloud Kicker song on a record called Subsume, and I think it's the second song on the album. And there's a super heavy part that would get me excited to try to get dudes out. I can never understand the guys who have walk-up stuff that's, like, mellow. (laughs) I mean, maybe if you want to zen out before you hit, but you want something that's going to get you fired up and that's going to get the crowd fired up, but um, that's not always the case. The country guys. I just don't get it. Like, how does that – if anything, that's going to put me at too much at ease. Maybe maybe they need to calm the nerves a little bit, but I don't get it. Yeah. Oh man, there's some song. I think it's like a Florida Georgia line song or something oh. about sitting in the back of a jacked up Chevy or something that an angel was using for a while. I can't remember who. It might have been Jeff Mathis, maybe. Probably, just probably. Terrible song. <laughs> terrible song. And I, every time it would come on, I just be like, oh my gosh. Well, Grant Green used to play "I Don't Want to Lose Your Love Tonight," and I always felt odd. Like when that would come on, like yeah. Joni's on a vacation far away. Yeah. What? what how does this? Hug, I, think. I think that was him being weird guy, probably. Oh, Maybe. Yeah. Gotta be like, the guy that. Yeah. Yeah, the, the weird guy. Yeah. He's like, but coach, I break up the monotony yeah. with my song. I remember, funny Grant Green story. He was doing like yoga or something, pretending to do yoga or something behind a post game interview, I think, or maybe it was a pre game interview, and then he went on the DL like a day later with like a groin strain or something. And I was like, excellent. He didn't play in that game. How did he strain his groin? I bet 
It was screwing off ding dong. behind our cameras. <laughs> well, you you could do a, a whole podcast on odd baseball injuries. Actually, I'm surprised. Yeah. But you know what? Great ideas come from podcasts. Maybe after we get done here, we'll have to all do that yeah. one. <laughs> um, third question. This one might take some thinking. Um, I want you to recategorize band members into their baseball positions. So wow. it can either be your band, whether mm-hmm. you, if you just take like the personalities in your band, but uh-huh. at least give me where, where the lead singer would be, where the guitar player would be, bass player, and then drums, of course, yourself. Okay. Um, I feel like drums is a middle infield type who doesn't particularly hit very well, but does all of the things fairly well. I'm going to use the word scrappy again. Okay. Or should I just say David Eckstein? Yeah. You should just sub it out. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Just somebody who who can kind of hold it together while things may go wrong or um, in unsavory directions. Um, (laughs) Lead singer would definitely be like a closer, I think. Um, I could see Jonathan Papelbon being a lead singer. Oh, God. Not all lead singers. Like some lead singers are great. Like Dustin's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a, a a fake disease called LSD, which is a lead singer disease. Um, <laughs> and I think that's something that's probably also shared by a lot of closers. Oh. Just the, the big ego, like this is my show. This is my deal. Mm-hmm. Um so Jonathan Papelbon, like that. <laughs> um, bass player, catcher, The Rock. Yeah. Um, holds it down. Uh, guitar player could be, I feel like anything from, actually, no. I guess it's like a, like a center fielder or a flamboyant corner outfielder, like a Puig. A Puig. A Puig type. <laughs> yeah. All right, question four, mm-hmm. and well done on that question. I, I, when I was doing it, I was like, this might take some time, <laughs> but if he, if he nails this, it'll be great. So Nailed well done it. on awesome. that. Nailed Thanks. Uh, question four, uh, best, ball, best ballpark in the country, according to you, where you've been? Oh. Or we could say top three if it's because a lot of times when we ask that, Nick, give us one, people are like, ah, oh, I got like four. Okay. Yeah. You know, one or top three. Um, it's been ages since I got to go there, but um, – Camden Yards is awesome. Um, really cool atmosphere and awesome blend. I guess it's not that new of a park anymore, but um, when I went there, it was like a new park that felt like it was a throwback, and I always like that kind of vibe. And you do have a buddy that plays on yeah. the team, and you're yeah. rocking their stuff, yeah. so maybe you could... Uh, <laughs> maybe I'm biased. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's a, it's a legit cool no, it's park. Great, it's dug into the ground yeah. a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, it's right there. Yeah. yeah. I do like um, I do like Safeco quite a bit. Um, I like Fenway from a historical aspect, but it's kind of a dump. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that area is just like a zoo oh, yeah. during games, out of control. The uh, House of Blues Boston is right behind the Green Monster, so if there's a show like. Man, we had one show there. So there's a show at the House of Blues. It's St. Patrick's Day. Oh, wow. And the Red Sox are playing. And it was just the most colossal crap storm of drunk. Oh, I can imagine. (laughs) From worlds that don't usually mix all that much. It was like the Meathead, St. Patty's Day bar crowd. And then the dopey, like... Boston Red Sox fan mm-hmm. hammered people, then like rock show hammered people, and it was just what a mess. But somehow <laughs> yeah. you survived. Yeah, yeah, yeah survived. I couldn't imagine no being threw a bottle at your yeah, head. Hopefully, anywhere near there. Okay, so last question, question five. We round this out uh, to all of our podcast guests, and it's apropos of you being here. We ask, why do baseball managers wear uniforms? That is a very good question, because most of them look pretty terrible. In baseball uniforms. Um, but those people who look terrible in baseball uniforms would probably look pretty terrible in most things. Um, but yeah, I mean, baseball uniforms are pajamas, kind of. Yeah. So um, 
I don't think there are a lot of like 50 to 65 year old men <laughs> who look great in, yeah, in great PJs. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know, like suit and tie would be, I guess, the most palatable. But um, I don't know why they wear. Or like khakis in a polo, kind of like what our guys do on air. I mean, yeah. you know, suit and a tie in the summer might be tough, but that may be too extreme. But it's like the, the uniform's extreme and the, maybe the suit's extreme, but there's got to be a middle ground. Like not, you want to look professional, but like seriously, khakis in a polo shirt. Like Social's got the, you know, little robustness to himself. Like you, he'll look the same in a polo, but he won't look like... He's trying to wear, like you said, pajamas. Or yeah. He's trying to be relive his glory days. Yeah, he was I don't even think he wears the jersey top anymore. Seems like he just wears like the the BP jacket or. Oh yeah. right, I brought yeah. this up. There, there's been a, there was a time where he definitely wasn't, and then I know that Major League Baseball mandated that managers should be wearing. That's why it's even funnier. Like they came back and were like, "You guys need to be wearing jerseys." It's like, why, why? <laughs> why? But I think he's back to being like, "Don't care. I'm yeah. wearing the batting the batting practice top." Yeah, I don't need this. You know I, would, what I, I, I have too. one. Sorry to do the maybe bonus question. Bonus maybe question. not even with the five good questions because you know I'm in the in the room with some two like music greats here, right? So I'm kind of like the oddball. You're in the room with one musical great. Well, no, one and a half. Zero, zero musical greats. I, uh, <laughs> I noodled around and toured a little bit with guys, but he has an actual career. <laughs> so we'll call that. He was that. in Europe yeah. last week while we were while we were here doing <laughs> high school football. But uh, was a drummer at one point in my life. Um, I'm nice. curious who. I don't know if musical idol is a thing that exists, but I always like to say like mine is John Bottom. I've been a Zeppelin mm-hmm. fan since I was thirteen, and and listening to that guy, uh, insane human being. Yes. Um, I mean, looking at the kind of set he had didn't look that elaborate, but he made so much noise. I mean, mm-hmm. I have live recordings that I listen to, and I'll like go back and back. I'm like, how did he do that? Yeah. Like rapid fire with one. I don't think he had a double pedal. No like, double pedal. How? I mean, this guy's just a farmer. Yeah. You know, he's just a regular guy, like, who liked to drink, obviously. Yeah. Um, I'm curious who, again, could be your first, you know, one or three top three of your favorite drummers or drummers that you that you listen to that influence you. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, Lars Ulrich, you got Keith Moon, you got Bonham, you got, the list goes on. Neil Peart, obviously, he's a big one because mm-hmm. he's got the 9,000-piece yeah. <laughs> set. I don't know if all that comes through in, in their, their music, per right. se. I mean, obviously... Uh, I don't know if he does solos at his concerts, but whatever. So yeah, there's my long-winded bonus question. Um, your, your influential drummer. I'm definitely a Bonham guy. Um, I think he did more with less than than most drummers are even capable of doing. Um, and actually, a quick aside: um, the producer we worked with on our most recent record. Um, when we were in pre-production, we were talking about like, what do you like your drums to sound like? Or like, what do you, who are your influences? And, uh, I brought up Bonham and he made me a playlist and of Zeppelin songs and was like, listen to these, learn them, think about like what he's doing, why he's doing it, when he's doing it. And, um, just try to, try to channel Bonham with like, the pocket that you play in and um, the feel and then like the fills and stuff like that. Um, so that was a really cool experience because um, it's awesome when somebody you know, inspires you to do something that you probably should have done on your own. <laughs> like, sure. But uh, yeah, just like listen to these Bonham songs and, and try to channel that. So a lot of my playing is trying to do, I guess, more with less, but also being tasteful and having a good pocket and stuff like that. Um, Dave Grohl is a big inspiration. Sure. He's, and I'm sure if you were to ask this question to him, he'd be like, oh, Bonham. So it's like, he's like the next generation's Bonham sure. for a lot of people. Um, I do appreciate flashy drumming, um, but it's not my favorite thing. So I don't have, a bunch of favorite drummers who are like crazy shredders. Um, trying to think another, another influence, recent influence, and maybe one that's more obscure because everybody's heard of Dave Grohl and John Bonham. Um, there's a guy named Nick and I'm going to brutalize his last name, but it's, I think it's Yasushin. Um, he's in a band, it's kind of like a, a punk band called Baptists. And then he's in another band, super heavy band, 
called Sumac. And he, he's actually tied in with the Grohl thing. Like there was a drum cam video of Nick playing a Baptist set and Dave Grohl like flipped out and was like, this dude rules. Um, wow. But he's, he's a little busier um, than Grohl or Bonham, but um, he's got a really cool approach to playing not only fast stuff, but really heavy stuff. Um, and it, it's rare to find uh, people who play faster stuff that have good feel and he's got really good feel. Sure. So, um, and he's got tons, there are tons of uh, drum cam videos of him playing. He's just a shredder. So he's inspiring me right now. <laughs> great. Yeah. Cool. Well, that, I mean, that's a great bonus question to segue into tell everyone where they can find you and, and find thrice and what's coming up for you. We definitely want to plug every, everything oh, you got. Man. Like I said, you made me tired with all tired with all the stuff that you do. So go ahead and just okay. take the mic. <laughs> um, Let's see. Thrice is going out on a U.S. tour. Like you said, there's an L.A. show. There's an observatory show in Orange County. Um, but you got to get on it now. Got to get on both now. Um, you have a better chance getting tickets to the Orange County show on the 9th of October. So that goes for three weeks. And then I think we're kind of laying low for the rest of the year. Uh, might have some other one-off shows, um, but nothing local. Um what else you oh uh a side project called less art uh with the guys from puig destroyer uh, and my brother um is recording a full length in november that we were going to try to put out uh early next year and uh, do some shows around that um you can find me on twitter at riley breck uh you can follow productive outs on twitter at productive outs um, and that has, a will link to any podcasting that we do. Um, and yeah, the uh, productive outs is not like a source for, for breaking news or anything. <laughs> it's like a lighthearted look at, at baseball. So, um, if you need a break from the, the news breakers and the, the people who are, uh, you know, scooping other reporters, uh, you can follow two idiot musicians who really <laughs> like baseball. <laughs> Um, and I think that is probably it. Yeah. Well, awesome. I, I really appreciate you coming on here. Oh, thanks for uh, having it was great to talk a, a little bit of everything. So yeah. we really appreciate it. Um, and hopefully we can have you in some other time, you know, whenever your I'd love crazy to. schedule, uh, maybe, maybe <laughs> we can get you in and, uh, do like a hot stove or something like that. So yeah. I really appreciate you. That'd coming be awesome. In. Yeah. Thanks for nice. having me. Cool. Cool, man. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. That's it. I want to thank Riley one more time. Uh, awesome guest. Great guest to get back in the studio with. And we definitely want to have him on further. But if you haven't, please check out Productive Outs uh, at Productive Outs. That's their baseball podcast. They're going to try to get back into it. Also, if you're a fan of music, uh, Thrice is going to be going back on their second leg of their American tour. So check that out. Um, there is, like we said, a few tickets left for some local shows if you're local. Um, and also check out, you know, his other bands, like I said, Puig Destroyer, uh, great band, a lot of fun stuff. So thank you, Riley. Thank you everyone for listening. Please make sure that you are subscribing to the podcast, however you listen and please rate the podcast. Hopefully you're rating us nicely and hopefully you're adding a lot of stars in there, uh, but just rate it. Uh, it'll get us in front of more people. Um, we'll get to keep doing this and hopefully keep bringing you great, great guests like we had this week, if I can get that out. So thanks guys. Thanks for listening. Later.